this is Rachel, and I'm publisher of Nilvana, Mr. Monster, and Johnny Connect. You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> See you next week. Be here all as a beat. I think we have a lot of ground. Oh, so much ground. <laughs> we better get our Actually, I'm, I'm dying to find out if, if, uh, if, if Jason read anything in the past. I read an ass kind of thing. That, that, I did read something that Mr. Price told me not to talk about. Actually, you know what? No, no I, I finished it before we finished I didn't see you just and I didn't see any notes now because oh, it was nice. so so for once you have to wing it, alright? So, but, cool. I, I have supplemented. Well, I don't, okay? I, I reread and then I, I read, so I still have the rest of the collection. So, I mean, we can, we can wait, we can pull off till next week, I'm good. I got something all new. I got lots of stuff. I read the thing David made sure for the academic career. Sweet. I caught up on Spideyverse. I've read two graphic novels. Well, one collected edition and one graphic novel. And 14 hours. Well, no, I had forgotten that I read a few of these things. <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, I did read that since we last chatted. And uh, a certain number one issue that sold a million copies. Oh, good. I'm glad you read that, because I read that as well. Yeah, I think we have differing views on it. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah. All right. But we have other things we need to discuss, though. Oh, Okay. I think I know what we're talking about. Yeah, I, 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 I read that too. I think David's other thing we need to talk about is probably not the same other thing that I'm thinking of, but we'll get there. Yes. It's all. Because you know why? Why? Because this is 11 o'clock comics. Hey, now. That's what I Episode, yes, episode, you heard correctly, episode 352, and I'm Vince B, slightly frazzled, but I'm here. Oh. Really? Are you? I know, right? I'm David A. Price. He was probably looking at a tweet or a text that he got. No, no, goodness. Mm. no never that. You, you are, Get your head in the game. You are David A. Price, and fresh from an 80s sitcom, I am John Cusack. Oh, I love him, but you're not John Cusack. You're Jason Wood in the house, EOC 352. Look at that. Yes, sir. John Cusack's an interesting one. He is, man. He, he is. For as many high-profile, um, let's just say, artistic projects he takes he takes a shit ton of just stinkers oh but but i I have to say i love so many of his older yes slapstick comedies and and yet there are few people celebrities that have as public that share that are as public with their political views that i I probably disagree with more right (laughs) like like he's definitely not a person i think i would want to hang out with in like mano a mano and chill with right but when it comes to his his body of work, uh, I mean, most of his films are way up the nostalgia list for me. His uh, one crazy summer and better off dead are like two of my favorite back to backs. Definitely, my oh, two dollars. Oh shit! I saw a movie with him in it recently. I forget the name of it, but very against type. He played um, a serial killer. I it, well, if it's not Gross Point Blank, then it's it's. I think I know what you're talking about because the box art for this movie was so heavily photoshopped it, it, it was him and he would lure um prostitutes um and and slowly torture them and, and eventually kill them it, he, um it's from it, he's in an art uh alaska and uh he would only do it when the wife and kids were away 
So he established a pattern, and that's how they got it. Is it the frozen ground? Could be. Fro- yes, mm. yes. I think that mm-hmm. was it. Okay. I can't say it was a great movie. Right. It was okay. Vanessa Hudgens is in it. Oh, then no, I didn't see that one. Yeah, she's, uh, she plays a... Dude, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine 2 coming at you. But he's not in it. Oh, he's not? No, it's, it's, it's just, it's, um, it's Cordry and Robinson and, uh, and, and the kid. That's oh, it. No, that's all that's I've seen. I know. I'm like, so I, I don't know if they kill him off or something, but, oh. um, I, I haven't seen, I've never seen Hot Tub Time Machine. You haven't? I haven't. Yeah. Um, I, all right, I will. Uh, we, we start, we haven't, we have to finish The Raven and, um, I mean, 20, I know how it ends. 2012 is like when it's on, sometimes I'll leave it on, but it's Oh no, not. why? Because that John Cusack is bad. That it is, is bad. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. It's like, it's, 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 it's terrible. It's, a, it, it's worse than a bad Michael Bay movie. It's it just, is. It, it it is. I, but no, I, yes, no, John Cusack is, is a fit. I mean, gross point blank is, is an absolute gem. Um, I will tell you guys right now, um, if you follow, Jonathan Glapion, the anchor on Facebook. This is why I paused between, well, after Vince introduced himself. Um, apparently page number 19 from issue number five of the Greg Capullo penciled Batman. Um, Jonathan usually keeps his art away, um, from his son, but it looks like his son got to this page and there's like blue and orange crayon <laughs> markers all over this oh. finished. Capullo splash page and it, it's it looks great but it it's it's got to be a major fucking gut punch so I saw that and I was just like because even Kyle Randolph's like I am trying to think of a good side to this story and and it, so I mean people are commenting on it but I'm looking at it and I'm like I I hurt but I can only imagine what he's going through so that full disclosure that is why I I, I dropped the ball in the intro fair so, enough and you know where you can't get any altered art, but you can get your comics dirt cheap? Well, unless it's a Neil Gaiman's or Brian Boland issue. True. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, because they have the absolute lowest prices on your favorite funny books and collectibles, such as, get this, from Dynamite, ripped from the pages of Project Superpowers. They're giving it another shot, this time with Warren Ellis at the helm. Artist is Colton Worley. They're doing Black Cross, a six-issue miniseries. Uh, issue one is available to you at half price, $1.99. From the Dark Horse, it's a five issue miniseries featuring Baron Frankenstein's famous monster. It's called Frankenstein Underground. Frankenstein. Uh, Mignola wrote it. The great Ben Stenbeck drew it. And you can get it for $1.75. That's half off. And if you've been paying attention to current events in the comic book, uh, world, Secret Wars is big doings. And if you want to see where the forthcoming Marvel Summer event uh, is coming from, you best get your hands on the Secret Wars Battle World box set slipcase hardcover. 11 hardcover volumes, cover price, 500 clams. Your price? What? What's that you say? 250 bucks. That's half price. $150 less than Amazon. How do they A do bargain. it? I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but I'm sure glad they do. Discount comic book servers. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door at a pittance, a fraction of what you'd pay in the big brick and mortar stores. Yes, they are the absolute best. Well done, Vince, as always. Thanks. I am drinking this week. Are you drinking water? No, I'm not. I'm drinking hops, specifically Sierra Nevada. I still have some left. I was so happy to say Sierra Mist. My yingling is all gone. Huh. 
Yeah, people come to the house and they they pick the Yingling over most. No, they have good taste. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they're used to, right? So they just that's dip why they're the there. Yingling, so that's all gone. What? So I'm drinking the Sierra Nevada. That's uh serviceable. It's good. Yeah, it's it's very hoppy. Uh-huh. So it, that's why I like. How's it. about you, uh, DAP? Ah, uh, this is uh. This is for Vince. Actually, it's for both of us because it is a two of us. Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, oh. It is from California, but it is one of my favorites. It is Gnarly Head. <laughs> What'd she give you? Gnarly Head. Gnarly Head. That's, That's what she said. She's coming back for more. Take a woman to a Broadway show, she gives you Gnarly Head. Hey. Nice. Hi, Renee. <laughs> what about you, boo? Uh, no, I didn't get any gnarly head, at least not today. Not today. But, uh, I, I am drinking, uh, the grape. Uh, I'm drinking Sterling Vintners Collection, a Meritage 2012 vintage. And for those wondering what this Meritage is comprised of, I will tell you. You got 52% Merlot, which by the way cracks me up. How does one determine that it's 52% Merlot? <laughs> they put next, an extra two grapes. Yep. There. Uh, 27% Cab Sauvignon. Yon. 9% Malbec. Respect. Six percent Cabernet Franc, and then they top it off with six percent Petit Verdot. Wow! And then they start with their dicks. They put their dick in the mashed potatoes because it's that kind of party, <laughs> and uh, they produce one silky smooth wine. Unbelievable. I'm drinking this like Coca Cola. It, it sounds like it is smooth because then the, the the stuff probably balances out the bad stuff and the other stuff, and it's probably it sounds good. It's real good. I don't drink the grape, but that sounds like something I Yeah, you know, I don't, have you ever, like, do you ever drink wine? Yeah, on holidays, if it's on the table, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have some, but it's not something I reach for. Mm-hmm. I need the hops. I hear you. The noble hops. Lots of news Dude, this week. Let's, get, let's jump right get in on it. it. Right. All right. Big deal. The big deal. Now, David, well, David swore he was going to try and stay surprised by this. I Yeah, no, I, 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 I it's been, you know, you, you brought it up on the Facebook page. I, I, I really, I didn't click any links. I, um, I mean, even Facebook trending had a couple of things here and there and, and I saw Ultimate Universe 616, but I, I, I haven't looked as far as the, the source from, from the live event or, or, or the news announcement. I, I talk to me like I don't know anything what's going on. Talk to you like my wife. All right. Well, you, supposedly. You, you got this? I don't know if I got this. You can tag team with okay. me. They, Marvel announced that the, and this is how they said it, the 616 universe and the ultimate universe will be, um, unlike what we know of it after Secret Wars. They say it's not a reboot. Okay. But they, but, but they say these, these two continuities will be no more. Well, that is true, but there's, I mean, it's, it's even more than that though. In that. Right. Essentially and all continuities. Uh, I mean, some of it you can infer. Some of the t- the hints have been easy to guess, but but Brevoort and Axel Alonso had a press conference this week to fill in some of the blanks. And the long and the short of it is, Secret Wars Battle World will actually be the Earth six one six. It will have all these different realities pieces brought onto the six one six. Yes, hence the map. It's not a what if. It's not an else world. It's not a, a future. imaginary tale or hoax. It's 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 all happening. And as, as Vince mentioned, all other realities that we've ever been exposed to and our, and the 616 all become one going forward after Secret Wars. Yes. So whatever's left. And Brevoort said there'll be things that are discarded completely that will drive people insane. There will be new things introduced that will hopefully make some people happy while other people will be mad. 
They will tweak some things. They will keep some things status quo. But basically, it's a whole new set of of, of rules going forward. All books end at the start of Secret Wars. Good. And I, I for one, could not be happier. <laughs> Chaos is a good thing. Change is welcome. We don't want these characters to stagnate. Look what happens when they stagnate. You go for years and nothing really happens, right? This is awesome. Stir the damn pot. What? And I, the guys at the shop were, were cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. about this today. What, where's the drawback in having a planet where you can take a little walk from weird world or boat or plane to planet Hulk to Adelan to monster metropolis to, you know, um, limbo? Limbo is going to be part of the map. There's going to be an actual place on the map where you can go to limbo. What? That's that's awesome. There's going to be like a, a spider land uh-huh. where, where I'm sure all the, the, the fallout from uh, Spider-Verse are all going to congregate there. This is this is all good. It's like they're they're taking the cream of the crop. All of those the, the beloved stories from whatever, how many years of continuity, taking all the best ones and making a whole planet out of them. That's awesome. And And nothing that we knew before goes away. All that continuity that happened. That's not, they're not retconning anything or hitting a reset button. Everything that has transpired to this point still, it's in the books. It's, it's on record. That stuff is, is canon. The 2099 universe has a spot on this map where what's, there's no drawback as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the same way? Um, I, no, well, I don't know if I'd go to that level of just 100%. Um, committed. I, I, I think I have a lot of thoughts on this. To be honest, part of it driven by the by the culture and reaction to the news, and part of it driven by the news itself. Um, the first thing I, I wanted to say was that uh, as fans, we can't have it both ways. Uh, <laughs> we we can't create a culture where everybody bemoans event comics and the fact that. Events don't matter because the status quo is always reset at the end for years. And then to cry this announcement, right? You can't have it both ways. If, if, if you hate that events don't matter because all the pieces get put into place when the event is over, so there's no consequences, then you should be loving what they're about to do. Right. Assuming that they live up to their word. Of course, that's always the big if, but, but based on what they've said this week, this will not be like every other event in the sense that Things really will be vastly different, at least in most cases, and it will be a quote unquote permanent change. So from that perspective, that's a fan thing. I think again, if, if you're someone, and I feel like most of us have been in this boat that complain about events not quote unquote mattering, then mm-hmm. this should be a refreshing change. Right. I was perusing the comments and, and, uh, you know, every other one was they're ripping my childhood. Uh, and, and I think. Your buddy Jerry Conway said it the best. No, really. No, listen to this. This is, this is straight from the mouth Hello, of Jerry, Jerry Conway. Jerry, Jerry Conway said, I would say to these people, no, your childhood is still your childhood. There's a point to be made and it's a universal one. We have to see that there's a difference between what people do today and what they did yesterday. Yesterday still exists. Those stories still exist. Right. Now someone else is getting a chance at a new childhood. And that's nice. That puts it in perspective. We had, seriously, we had our time. So we lived Secret Wars as it was coming out. We lived all this continuity. We had our jollies. There's a whole new bunch of readers now that this Secret Wars could be their Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. 
They could look on this lovingly for, for decades. Who knows, right? We can't bogart the industry. It's not really ours anyway. You know, we're just participants. Sure. Uh, it's been a shared continuity for 50, how many, however many years. And it, and it'll continue to be so. We just, we're just bystanders. Well, it, right. It's, we, we, um, like everything else in life, we're, we're, we're renting or leasing this. And, and these, these characters, we feel like they're ours. Like that, that's my Peter Parker and, and, or, or that's my Wolverine. That's my, and, and you have, when you think of a certain character, you have that image and it's from, Whatever era, whenever you started reading, whatever your, your definitive version of that character right, right. is. And, but when we die, the idea is that these properties are going to continue to exist and they won't be able to if they are still confined in the same box they have been for right. the past 20, 30 years. And, and I have, I have no problem with them wanting to be progressive and, and, and be forward thinking with their properties. Um, I think they tried that with Ultimate Universe. It was, you know, it was a new Peter Parker. It was a new Fantastic Four. It was a new X-Men, you know, told modern style and, and with a different look. And you can still read your 616 and you still have your Peter Parker and, and, and your Aunt May and, and whether or not they were married. You can still read that, but this is something new. And, and we all knew in five years time, well, when someone new comes to Ultimate Universe, that's still a lot of continuity for them to read back into. Yeah. So I, I, I really, because of the little bubble I, I like to live in, I am, I'm going to wait to see, obviously. I'm not jumping to conclusions. I'm not screaming from the rooftops. I'm, I'm, I'm not slitting any wrists. I, I will, because I think the way they haven't said, or in, in my mind, it's not like they said, listen, it's January. You have four months to get ready. Everything you know is being wiped away because right now I am in a car being driven by Jonathan Hickman and telling these awesome Avengers stories that, that are going to have a climax. They're going to have a conclusion. I'm okay. You're with, not in a car. Well, I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in the fantastic <laughs> car, metaphor. but it, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's, um, there is, I, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I guess with where we're headed. It's, it's, you know, this, this feels better to me hearing this and knowing that, you know, Jonathan Hickman is involved in Secret Wars. Jonathan Hickman is, is writing these, these two books with, with the banner headline, time runs out for the past few months and, and will continue to. And this feels logical. Whereas I kind of, it hurt a little bit with, um, with Flashpoint and knowing, you know, with DC and I, I don't want to get down the whole comparing it, but it, it just, for those that, that do want to compare the two and, oh, it's Marvel's new 52 and, and Marvel's crisis on infinite earth. It, it doesn't feel the same, but it, it's, I'm not, um, because I, I guess there was no internet when crisis on infinite earth was coming out. So when that ended, the, I was in the middle of it and, and holy crap. And what happens now? And here comes John Byrne, Superman. So I was, on the ground floor with everybody else now with the way we have with social media and the way news is released, everybody is playing armchair quarterback or, or just wanting to, you know, give their two cents and, and swear to God that they know that this is what's really happening instead of just letting it play out. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not, I'm not crying at least. Sure. You know, well, I, part of me thinks that there's either a gentleman's agreement between the two companies where they reveal kind of sort of where they're going for the next couple of years, just, you know, which doesn't make sense because the both of them are in business, right? right? So a gentleman's agreement 
not not plausible. Or there's a mole <laughs> somewhere either in DC or Marvel or both where they tell significant people from the uh, from the uh the competition what's going on because if you look at the look look at the history um convergence sounds a lot like what marvel's doing with secret wars and and in the past there has been mini series that you know thematically have been really close or is it a coincidence i don't believe in coincidence look we know from from the marvel untold story that that it, long has it been common for the industry to parrot one another and race mm-hmm. to, to, I mean, right. right. The Fantastic Four exists because of that, right? I mean, because Stan panicking about what was selling and trying to come up with something that would tap into the same ethos all over that golf game. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so often and, and to such extents, like these, you have to admit, Convergence and Secret Wars, they're not little flash in the pan events. This is, well, see, this no, is, I, that is, this is where I disagree because you're not the only, someone who brought this up on the Facebook post about this i actually think in this case while there may be some overt similarities i think there's a big difference here um convergence by by dc's own admission is a essentially a, a fifth week event it's 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 That's it's meant to bridge the fact that they're moving the entire editorial staff from new york to california and so for the period of time it's going to take to do that they needed to basically suspend continuity and do a story okay but you can't tell me that if some of those two or whatever they are issue miniseries don't catch on like wildfire, that the continuity is not going to be inserted. Sure, but what I'm so. saying is, is they came up with this idea a year ago because they okay. realized they were going to move offices. So this is not a, this is not a wow. We're we're really going to reshape. This isn't a crisis. This isn't a, um, this is a hey, we could do this while we we need some time off, and our editors aren't going to be. For those of you we pissed off, we still remember what some of the stories were like. So I think it's different in that sense. I think this, I think the, the, the this Marvel event is, is much more analogous to the new 52 or the original crisis. Um, it, it's, it's, they're going out of their way not to call it a reboot, but in essence it is a reboot, but it's very, I think it's, I think the cleanest, the cleanest analog, at least based on what we know so far is new 52, which is that you're going to have some stories that seemingly don't change much at all, likely the ones that are commercially working. And then you're going to have some that are basically complete reboots and then some that are somewhere in between. But, you know, I look at this as two things. I think you have to look at the event itself called Secret Wars, which is, as we know by Jonathan Hickman and Esad Ribic, and I'm going to, as David said, I'm going to judge that for, for the way I would judge any event. It's going to be a big, grand story, and I'm going to read the main event, and I'll probably read some of the tie-ins, although not all of them, but I'll judge the main book on the book, and and hope I get a good story with a beginning, middle, and end. And it is fair to say to those armchair quarterbacks out there that, in general, I would agree that most events by Marvel and DC in the last five, ten years have been disappointing at the finish. Uh, as I think on Marvel, um, I thought Infinity was great, but I think that was an outlier. I think the events before and after it yes. have been relatively lackluster, especially in the way they finished. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but because it is Hickman and yes. because it is Ribic, I, I have, I have above average expectations for the event itself to be really entertaining. Um, but then on the other hand, what we've really been talking about is what happens after Secret Wars and the status quo change. And for me, um, 20 year old me would be furious by this news, right? Like, like, like the, the person who I was then that was reading every Marvel book, reading no other comics, had Ohatmu entries memorized, this would be earth shattering for me. Uh, the idea that, that they're going to intermingle different characters' histories and get rid of certain characters and 
you know, the thought that, that the Wolverine from the Ultimate Universe may replace the now dead Wolverine, you know, something like that would have just, just, uh, destroyed me. But the four year old me, totally almost nonplussed about the whole thing. Cause we've been there and we've done that. We, we've seen it in different forms so many times. And I'm just gonna, you know, David, like you said, I'm genuinely gonna judge this as it comes. Um, you know, if we get, it sounds like we're gonna get 50 plus new number ones or, or new titles after this. And I, I likely will read a bunch of them at the start, like I did the new 52. And I likely will like some of them and keep them and others that will drop. And that's just, the way it is. Um, if I'm betting, I would say this is likely to have me reading fewer Marvel comics on the regular than I did before, but not because of a quality issue, just because anytime you're rebooting a, a book these days, it's it's kind of an easy jumping off point. Right. So yeah, every for every jumping on point, there's um, probably a, a, a leveraging ba- jumping off point that just you know balances out, but. I don't from from a a publishing standpoint. If I had a what by all accounts is going to be a huge movie, sort of coinciding with the, these events and the potential for um a, you know a reinvigorated flagship title. Because if somebody wants to read the Avengers now, hey, I really like that movie. Can you show me where to where to read more? Yeah, but you know you're going to have to read forty of these things just to get up to speed. An Avengers number one. On the on the racks around the same time mm-hmm. that the mo- the movie comes out, that's that's a no brainer. Well, there are two points on that. One, I think that they did go out of their way at this press conference to say that this is not going to be evocative of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, that they are separate. Um, now, I take that with a big grain of salt because I, you know, I, as you say, it just makes too much sense, right? Maybe it won't be identical, but you know, we sure as heck have Coulson in the. Marvel now, right. right? I mean, we have a. You're right. We have a shield. We have. We have, now, yeah, so, right. we have Agent May, right? We have so, so. So we'll see on that. I. 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 I think they'll be separate, but but more equal, if it, if you will. Um, but the other thing, though, about this is, I think that um, th- there's uh, there's nothing wrong with um, kind of wanting to shuffle the the the, the deck chairs, uh, which is what they're trying to do, and. I think though that we have to be honest with ourselves about what this is. I, I, I do think that you have to stop short of taking them at the word of saying they're doing this to create new readers. I, I think that's disingenuous. Um, I don't think there's any evidence that new readers come along to superhero mainstream books because they take old characters and rejigger them and put it in number one. I, I don't think there's any evidence of that. I think well, things like Miss Marvel with with a with a uh you know a, a an Islamic female lead. I think things like Squirrel Girl with a boom kids feel, I think those things can bring in new readers. I don't think this is for new readers. Um and I, I think the thing that we really that, that's where I think the, the, the events if I have to say they they all go wrong is that they always tell you it's a great jumping on point, but they're really not. And and what have we learned? We've learned that the second issue of Secret Wars is going to be a phone book sized hand. <laughs> I can't wait. No, can't right, wait but for you that. can't wait, and I can't wait because we're steeped in Marvel lore, and we're excited to see what they're changing and what they're keeping and how they're going to rejigger it. But that is not accessible to new readers. No. Right. So, and, and again, that's neither here nor there. That that's not really a qualitative statement about whether or not they should or shouldn't be doing this. 
I just think that let's be honest about what it is. Ultimately, I uh, I really could care less that they're combining the Ultimate Universe into the main universe because to my mind, it's pretty much Miles Morales is the only thing in the Ultimate Universe at this point anyway. Um, it does have me wondering, are we going to have like five or six Spider-Men? In, in, in the new Marvel U? I don't know. <laughs> that just makes me giddy. <laughs> that, that does. But I, I like to, to talk to the retailers in my area and, uh, to, to a man, they all claim that the sales of the Avengers books, strong when the movie came out, steadily declining over the course of Hickman's run to the point where many titles sell more than the Avengers. Well, you could see that and, in the diamond numbers. I mean, right. Um, I don't think, uh, I think while our love for Hickman's work has been tremendous as exhibited by our 11 O'Clockers last week, uh, I don't think that, uh, they, they've had as much mainstream appeal as Bendis's Avengers did. Right. Well, I mean, I, I'm hearing the same comments from all of them. Uh, readers, reader fatigue, they don't understand most of it. It's too hard to read. It's too complex. I don't see that at all. It takes a little work. Yeah. Um, and I think it reads better in, in, in chunks. Uh, but, uh, writ large, Hickman's Avengers run is gonna go down with the very best Avengers run ever. Sure. You just, you just, you just have to, you, you have to take the work on its, on its own limits. You, you can't impose, well, this is not like, you know, Roy Thomas, or this is not like Bendis. No, it's not. That's not the type of writer Hickman is. Hickman is a sci-fi writer. Or, no, sorry. Hickman is a science fiction writer. And and it, you can see it on every page. The man is a thinker. He invests yeah. huge amounts of ideas and concepts and 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 subplots into his work, and they they're all based on you know um, critical logical thinking. What would happen to this group if? And 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 he just plays it out, and it doesn't play out quickly in most term in most cases. So I could see it's it's not it it's not Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man is an instant gratification book. Where Avengers is is not at least Hickman's Avengers is not you know it, it's not that that uh, it's delayed gratification. It, it's it's a slow build, right. but it's the, the, I would argue that the payoff with a slow build is magnified because the the tension and the the the, the waiting is building and, and and everything's compounding on on things that have happened before and and it's it's a natural progressing story. Whereas you know you get a punk Spider Man like that's boom here have a pop tart. It's instant gratification, right? I'm not saying one is better than the other, sure. but in terms of selling things to people, P.T. Barnum was right. I mean, there's always there's people out there that want it and want it now. Right. And, and with the I don't um, think that's not Hickman's style. Backtracking just briefly, when you mentioned um, the uh, not buying all the tie-ins, Jason, did they say if the ongoing titles, the the, the main books, were going to have? Um, Secret Wars tie-ins, or were they going to have like, new It's going to be like Age of Apocalypse on steroids. There's not going to be any... any okay, any so it won't be an Amazing Spider-Man or, or an Avengers that month. It'll be Secret <laughs> Wars, Spider-Man. And, okay. Which, not that um, month. Gone. Right, right. No, you're right. No, I I, <laughs> I mean, I like, that. now, obviously, I'm sure many of them will be back, but, right. but they may be different. They may not be. I don't know. I know a lot of people are panicked about things like Amazing Spider-Man and Daredevil. And, and again, I, I think Marvel is, first and foremost, a profit machine. Sure. So I don't see I, – I would imagine it's going to be similar to what DC did with Batman, right? If it ain't broke, you're not gonna, they're not going to try and fix it. Right, but they – at the same time, we were – at least I was, you know, here's, here's Hickman's Avengers and it's been going on for 40 issues and new Avengers for dozens of issues. And 
here's Amazing Spider-Man with issue 10, and here's Daredevil, and here's Superior Iron Man, and you have all these newly relaunched books, and now, less than a year later, here's this event that's going to stop them all. Yes. I was one of the people who were like, they're not going to, they just relaunched this. And and yes, I know, oh, it's a new number one, people are going to buy it, and, and, and it's a launching point, and, and jumping out. But I... I absolutely was one of the people who were like, they're, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop an all new Captain America. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 90 days old. So it's, You're right. you know, well, we'll, yeah, let's, but by that time, they may have six to eight issues under the, yeah, I mean, Axel, Axel was asked this question at the press conference and he said that everyone at Marvel was told very specifically that they had a date to get all of their stories in because they were no longer valid after that. Right. That's just, that just fills me with such joy. So I, I, I love chaos and that's what this is going to be. We don't have, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right. That's so liberating. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen in the books you're going to read. Yeah. No internet bullshit, no spoilers. I would, I would absolutely, I would, man, it would please me to no end if you guys told me, yo, did you get the latest previews? Yo, I can't believe that, that, that Marvel previews book was just like nothing but, but, but blank pages because they don't want you to know anything about any of the books coming out there. That would actually be pretty a- great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I'm, too weak, I'm too weak-willed of a person to not read the previews if they are there. So. Well, the, the amount of money you spend, you have to be informed. It'll be like the wit and wisdom of Lobo, where it was that trade paperback with nothing but blank pages. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it's one thing to look at the solicit, the, the, the creator list and say, oh, well, Greg Land's working on this. I'm not going to order that. But, you know, maybe that's about there's something. There. Just, I don't, I don't want to see. And it, I, I would, right, I mean, it's right. how I live, it's how I go through life right now with my comics, but it, it's, you know, if you guys were to tell me that, I grin in ear to ear. Yeah. I, I look at this map and it just makes me so happy with, with one exception. One thing I don't understand, you, you have, David, did you actually look at the map? Cause I don't want to spoil anything for you. Just the, uh, just the initial map from, from a while ago. I haven't looked, I'll, right, I'll look at it again I'm now. Talking. That's not, but, but there, there is a, a section for Kuan Loon on here. Right. There's, there's, there's a new Quack City, which I'm certain is Howard the Duck. It's probably Duck World, right? So just the thought of ducks, more than one, tromping around the Marvel Universe next to Ben Grimm or something. That, that's just, well, hopefully Ben Grimm. Uh, but there's, there's a place on here called Marville. Oh God. Why? Uh, like I, I thought that tank. Nothing to go with the bad. Didn't, wasn't that horrible? Like yes. from from what I've read, that that series was just like nasty. Bad. That's where trouble can hang out. Well, remember, I mean, these are plays on words. I, it's not that it's going to be the Marvel that we knew. I hope not. That's the, the two people who read it now. Right? Because it wasn't Aunt May like a horror. No, that was trouble. trouble yeah, that, that was that, yeah, that, trouble, was, that yeah. was the the, May, the, the 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 Riley sisters from back in the day. But um, now she's Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> oh well. But yeah, so, I mean, so we have three, three thumbs up, three optimistic thumbs up for this, or, or is anybody like- I'm not, I'm no, I, I would say no. thumbs up to the event, because I do think that Hickman's been building this something really cool, and I think mm-hmm. he'll have free reign to do almost anything he wants, because of what's coming after. Um, and we'll see on, on what happens after I, I, I'm totally open to them essentially doing a, a reboot of some fashion, but I, 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 but I remember back vividly to, if you go back and listen to our new 52 post new 52 ep- episodes, we were all universally giddy and to the point where we reviewed every single number one 
and liked most of them. And it wasn't long thereafter that we essentially stopped reading much of them and, and probably now collectively read less DC than we've ever read. So I, right. I, I can't, I can't, I can't rule that possibility out. I can't say I that a year or two from now I won't be reading less Marvel than I've ever read, but, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not expecting that, but I, I, it will totally depend. I mean, I, again, you can play the what ifs if, 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 if the, the new, if the new status quo involves ultimate Jean Grey and, and ultimate Wolverine running around the Marvel 616, well, that's See? not going to interest me, but it may interest other people, just not me. But if it's, but the same token, if, if they had launched some, you know, new defenders team that we haven't seen in a while with new members, that may be totally cool. So I, it'll just totally yeah. depend. I don't the, know. Let's be totally honest here. And this, this will feed the, the I told you so guys out there. To be perfectly honest, we will grant Marvel far more leeway than we grant, than we granted DC because we're more beholden to these characters. You, you, all of us were Marvel zombies first. But I think, well, I think it works, well, I, I know what you're saying, but I think it works differently because I actually think I'm more open to major changes to DC because I don't have 30 years right, of history. Right, because Jason is. Whereas I'm used to it because of, of crisis. Now, my, 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 my thing is with, with DC, with, with New 52, uh, again, with, with the whole Flashpoint thing, but they, we had creators who were being switched around. I have no idea what, what the creative teams are going to be like after Secret Wars or during Secret Wars. I don't know if, if Dan Slott's going to be writing, you know, the Secret Wars version of Spider-Man when that happens for the four or five, six months. But with, um, I'm, I'm, with Secret Wars officially announced and, and with their plans, I have, have, has anybody seen any grumblings on the creator side of things? And it, when New 52 was announced, it just, there was a sense of, of, we weren't sure where they were, or I, I think there was a sense of, of not knowing where, where things were headed. I mean, they, they had, they, they canceled OMAC after eight issues. They, they, they shuffled the creative teams around Deathstroke and Hawkman and, and, and things just, they, they brought in creators from nineties image and eighties Marvel and, and they, it, it felt like a mess. And I'm not getting that sense just from what you guys are telling me and, and from things I see on social media. I'm not getting that sense from Marvel side of things. If it, the, the creators that are working on the books right now will, whatever, pans out once Secret Wars is done. I, I I don't get the sense that the creators are like, well, I worked on Spider Man for eight years, I'm done, or or I did my Avengers bit, I'm I'm out and they're going to do other things. I don't know if if they're moving on to image or whatever else or, or they're shuffling again after Bendis with the Avengers and now he's doing the X Men books. But I I I get where Vince is coming from and, and I, I do feel optimistic about What's going to happen? Not, not just during, but, but afterwards. And, and, you know, however it shakes out, I, I can see them moving creators around because why do this if you're just going to put everybody back on the books where they were before? I don't know where it's going after that, but I, I, um, because I am used to DC kind of moving things around. I just, New 52 was such a drastic change for me. I, I don't get that sense just from what you guys are telling me as far as Secret Wars goes and, and specifically Marvel. Well, they went out of their way to say m- multiple times that it's not a reboot as far as continuity goes. But speaking only for myself, regardless of what they do 
to Peter Parker, I will always buy a mask. <laughs> and I, I think, no, seriously, and I think there's a component of that in this too. Like, these people aren't just going to stop. The, the long-time readers aren't just going to stop buying the book. I mean, even if they do what some of the preview images, you know, hint at, maybe Mary Jane and Peter are going to be married again. God forbid it. I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm still going to buy the book, especially if Dan Slott's writing it. It's just a given, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm toying with the idea of um, getting all the singles for this Secret Wars thing. Right. I mean, not just not just the main mini, the 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 re re uh, reinvigorated books. I think. Sure. I well, I think I'm going to get all the singles, uh, at least the number ones, just to give them a try, just like I did with DC, and yes. uh, we'll go from there. And you know, our sponsored discount comic book service is probably going to have a bulk. Oh, deal. they're going to have some bundles, yo. Yeah, where you can just order all the number ones. Uh, which is a good thing. For reals. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm just so jazzed about this. Yeah, it should be. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, with, with, uh, age comes perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's true. I, I think the important thing is, is that, uh, nothing's, nothing they do is ever gonna change the books that have already happened. Right. You know, we, we, we still have them. They're still there. Still, That's what Jerry Conway says. If Jerry Conway says it, you know, you know it's true. I mean, he's even a clock, even a, even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> right? In this case, Jerry's, this must be the one that, the, the, when the, the, and if anybody's going to talk to, to, to crying fanboys, I, I'm considering, you know, who he killed, um, it, it's got to be Jerry Conway. <laughs> For sure. And David, uh, we didn't bring up the other little, uh, a bit of, uh, news that was launched. I think it was this week. That the milestone. Yes. The, when when you, you guys made sure to say that it was, you know, the announcement from yesterday, because when Jason said big news, I thought we were going <laughs> opening with milestone. But yes, milestone 2.0, uh, milestone will be, will be returning. And, and I, um, I, I think Jason is correct when he posted today that, uh, I would feel that this is the bigger news over Marvel's <laughs> yesterday. Wow. Uh, with the, the original players too. Well, minus one, well, but, my, my, well, well, and, and as far as I know, I didn't, I did not see Priest's name involved in, in, in the, um, in the article, but yeah. But so, so yeah, it, it's, uh, well, minus two if you're counting. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, um, they are, they are referring to the late, great Dwayne McDuffie. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, we have, uh, Reggie Hudlin. Who, uh, of course wrote Black Panther, producer of Django Unchained and Derek Dingle and, um, and Dennis Cohen, who were both there at the, um, at the start of the original Mastel Media. And it is, uh, it's coming back. There isn't anything, um, as far as any announcements or properties that, uh, that will be coming our way or in which form, uh, or which media. Um, hopefully San Diego is what Dennis had said, but um, I could have knocked me over with a feather. Yeah, they give Dennis um, hardware, and I'm on it, <laughs> like 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 Jason's bonnet. Well, I will say um, they definitely Reggie Hudlin definitely alludes to the fact that there are still some business things to be worked out because yeah. uh, Milestone was acquired by DC, and they last I checked they owned all the rights to the characters. So I don't know if this is the thing where. Reggie and 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 his partners are, are buying the rights back from Time Warner. If there's some kind of development deal that they're back in charge creatively of the characters, I I guess we'll find all that out in time. But 
I wasn't sure if there was there was an actual ownership exchange or or an acquiring, like you said, or or if it was a license thing. I know, right? Obviously, Warner Brothers Animation used Icon and Rocket in uh, in Young Justice. They um, we had, uh, and I thought maybe this was a a um, consideration when McDuffie was writing Justice League. Uh, America that, uh, of America that, that he got to use, um, icon and, uh, and it, it, I, I'm not, I wasn't sure where the, um, the ownership rights fall into place. The, um, but they, they mentioned all the big guns in the article. Um, there were other things that were said like, uh, and, and part of this, I, I do, I, I don't agree a hundred percent with what they said about basically taking a character who has been white for so many years and making them black, like John Stewart with Green Lantern. Green Lantern is, it's, it's not only is it a legacy character, it's a character that, you know, there's, there's more than one Green Lantern and, and with, with Captain America, it's a little different, but I mean, as far as like Green Lantern, I don't know if I agree with them there, but like for power, power girl. Yeah, maybe. I mean, to, to know that, uh, the power girl is, is, uh, racially changed with the new 52 that I can kind of see their point with, um, which is taking a character and taking a character who, who wasn't always black. And now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're making them black. Um, and that was one thing that I always really enjoyed about milestone is that these were, yeah, icon, I guess you could say was Dakota's was that was milestone Superman, but it's not like they made Superman black. And, and there was a reason why, the uh the character appeared African American and and uh and every every character in Dakota in the milestone universe black white latino or or it it didn't matter um skin color wasn't always the forefront of of what made the character so it it's uh it's all about diversity, which is what I've always enjoyed but i I am I'm so looking forward to this. How I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll have my Google alert set. I, I, I just, anytime something is said, I, I, I got to find out about it. Who was the rat guy? That was, that guy? uh, it wasn't rat king. Um, but yeah, that guy, all, the, he always freaked me out with the freaking the rat, baseball hat. Yeah, yeah backwards. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Nasty business. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Enough with the news. Let's talk about some stuff we read. What'd you read? Oh, I got some stuff. I got some DC. <gasps> what? <laughs> yes. Specifically, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Wow. I just bought, I just bought this today. How far back are we going? Uh, cover date, May, June, 1974. Whoa. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, good old 100 page giants. Uh huh. For, for 60 cents. It's, uh, issue 202. Um, these, the, the DC hundred page giants are among some of my favorite comics ever. Cause what they did was they would mix, um, some new tales with a bunch of old reprints. And at the time in 1974, I was nine. So all the stories were new to me, right? For 60 cents, a hundred pages, you can't go wrong. Uh, but the, for, I read this thing at, oh, I won't say where I read it, but I read this, the whole issue. And I think the, the best, uh, story is, uh, it was a 14 page story called Wrath of the Devilfish. 
And, and you know who wrote this thing? Jerry Conway. Carrie no, Carrie Bates. <laughs> but it was illustrated by one of the true greats of the medium, Dave Cockrum. It is a great story. Uh, and it's notable because it is the very first instance uh, where Erg One, energy release generator, takes on the name Wildfire. Very first story. Wow. Um, it's, yeah, it's cool. But that, I mean, that's just the lead in. That just happens in the, in the first two pages. And then, uh, one of the Legion's, um, sea stations on Earth starts transmitting a distress signal. Do, do, something's wrong. We got to go check it out. So, uh, the signal's answered by Monel, Superboy, Element Lad, and Light Last. So you got the two powerhouses of the Legion, Monel and Superboy, uh, going down to check this thing out. And it turns out that the the power plant um, on the station uses uh, pollutants in the ocean water. It sucks up the ocean water, takes all the crap out of it, and that's the fuel that that powers this station. Well, the the, the power plant has been sabotaged. It's all gummed up uh, by this this strange bubble-like viscous crap. Um, and, and to make matters worse, the bubbles explode on content contact content. Uh, Ele- Element Lad goes over to touch it and it's like blows up in his face. He's like, oh shit, we gotta get to the bottom of this. Oh this shit, stuff is son. Mad. Yeah, Element Lad can't even decipher what's in this stuff. Uh, so Light Last takes a look around. She sees these giant footsteps leading away from the power plant off the platform into the water. So what do they do? They, they, they dive into the, the, the depths and they, they start investigating and they eventually cross paths with this devil fish, this this half man, half fish thing, beautifully designed by Dave Cockrum. It's it's like pink and orange. It has these big blue blazing eyes, but if you look at it really closely, it kinda sorta looks like Manphibian. Oh nice. Like like crossed crossed with the man thing. Um, and, and, you know, the story progresses and Monel, the, the, the Legion, since they're underwater, they're communicating with these, um, uh, telepathic ear, ear, uh, pieces where they can just think it and all the other members of the Legion will know what they're, you know, going on about. Um, and so Monel goes up to the, the, the devil fish and he puts the telepathic earpiece next to it and he figures out that, okay, this thing is, is not malicious like we thought. Turns out that the the devilfish does exactly the same thing as the power plant. It's he sucks up all the toxins in the water, and like that's his food, that's his sustenance. And the the fact that the 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 power plant was doing that, it was taking his food source away. So he tried to blow up the the generator so as not to starve, and that wasn't the real threat. Real threat shows up a couple pages later. These aliens come down and try and blow up the plant to blame on the Legion. But, I mean, it's it's a it's a very innocent, just fun story. But the cool thing about the Devilfish, get this. Cockrum designed Manphibian for Marvel. And so Marvel bought the concept. And then because uh, Cockrum was working on Legion books, they wanted a, a um, an aquatic character as well. So he said, well, you know, I just designed this thing for Marvel. What about something like this? So he tweaked it slightly for DC continuity. But the the reason why it looks like Manphibian is because they're both designed by the same person, (laughs) Dave Cockrum. And it it boggles my mind. And that's not the first 
or the last instance of Cockrum designing things for DC and Marvel that, that switch places, most notably what, David? The Shi'ar Imperial Guard were once Legion characters, and they showed up in X-Men continuity, slightly tweaked. Did you know that? Oh, we lost David. No, I'm here. What? I'm here. Did you know that, David? That that he had created characters from basically both books? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty... I mean, the power of Dave, Dave Cockrum. I I take the dude for granted as, as you know, yeah, Cockrum's great. But what, when I... The, ne- the next instance of my eyes falling upon his work, and I always say to myself, God damn, Cockrum is like... He's uncanny. No pun intended. Uh, uh, the, the dude, I don't think he gets his due. No. Uh, he, Not at all. And, and I think primarily because he was on the X-Men when before and after John Byrne and, and it was, um, that tends to overshadow things. It's, um, I know he didn't create Wolverine, but Timberwolf on the Legion looks a lot like the, the brown and tan Wolverine. Um, there are, there are a lot of Legion characters who, who resemble, um, the all new X-Men from giant size number one, the, uh, but yeah, I, I remember reading some of the, um, seeing some of the John Byrne issues of, of uncanny X-Men. And then there was the, uh, right before Paul Smith came on, there was an issue. It seemed like it was an inventory issue because it had to do with, um, Chuck when he was walking. So you had professor X out of a wheelchair meeting a younger, Eric, a younger Magneto and, and Baron Von Strucker was, was involved, but the, um, I am sadly not so well versed in my Cockrum Legion lore and, oh. and I need to, uh, that, that's something I like to rectify. I, he is, he is absolutely one of the people who I think still had a lot to, uh, he had a style kind of like Herb Trimpey where I don't know how it would fit in with, with today's books, but he, um, he, I'd, I'd say that he, he's overlooked or underrated. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was, it was sad. The later in his career as he was, he was declining. I mean, he wasn't getting much work. I, I told you the story when I met him. Oh, with the, with the, with the, uh, the figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did some work for Migo and Aurora and, uh, he was, uh, had to resort to selling his samples. Right. Uh, just to, just to make ends meet. That's nuts. But, uh, the rest of the issue, I mean, there's a lot of, there's another story by Cockrum in here, but it's inked by Mike Grell. Ooh. Yeah, which, nah. I mean, you say, ooh. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a little scratchy. Okay. Yeah. You know, the, but the, um, the, the Cockrum story that I described, it's all Cockrum. He pencils and inks it. Um, there's some Kurt Swan in here. Mo- and George Klein. Like most of it's Kurt Swan. Uh, some Shelley, uh, Moldoff. The uh, contents page is done by a guy named Neil Adams, and the cover is Nick Cardi. And, and if you look at a bunch of these 100-page giants, Cardi did a, a ton of the covers, and they're all great. And every one of them have, are, are really special. And just the whole montage on the cover, with you, you knew you were getting more than one story. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, man. I Cardi's gotta... another guy, like another legend that I think doesn't get right. due. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, I agree. And, and Ra- rarely, rarely mentioned in the the all time greats. 
It's it's true. Right. Did, I, I mean that that one cover of Unexpected, the hundred page giant with the the uh, the I think his name was Gigantus, this giant T Rex looking dinosaur with a tank in its mouth. That cover's awesome, you know. And even this one with uh, the I mean it's it's hyperbolic because the the event never happens in the story, but um, the there's this giant fish gill man hand plunging out of the water it's got superboy in it and he's all you know bent back and it just looks like oh what the hell could do that to superboy but that never actually happens in the story this is great covers yeah i see these hundred page giants i buy i love them i buy them i I love the dollar comics man the world's finest batman family superman family love them um because i had i I had to look because i I, am it's it's boogeyman is who we were thinking about vince Boogeyman, that's right. Yeah. Boogeyman. Uh, even the ads in these things are great. There's a double page ad for the Haunted Mansion models, which I had all of them. And I know they're before both of your times, but I had, I had all these things. The play it again, Sam with the guy at the organ and the mummy would pop out of the organ. Those are great. Uh, the ads are almost better than the comics. The, the DC ads slay me because you'd have, you'd have a, the story end the top half of the page. So it's just like, it's, it's, we're not going to give you a full page ad. We're not going to give you a double page ad. We're just going to give you this half page. And, and sometimes it was, it, well, most of the time it was for, it was an in-house ad. It was for another book or just other characters you could read about, but DC killed me with that shit. Marvel had half page ads, but they always ran to fill space on the, the uh, letters pages. Right. Yeah. But never in, 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 in story did they appear like I mean, DCs. granted, with DCs, it usually happened at the end of the story, so it didn't happen so much during. But, uh, yeah, but that, that must suck for the, the penciler and anchor. Like, you're only getting paid for half a I page. I know. Well, well, I guess it would, depends on, on where the story ends and if they wanted to keep it tight. But Marvel had their own, though, on, down the lower right of, uh, of the page. It's like, oh, Werewolf by Night. Battles a moon monster this month in, and just, you wouldn't oh. even have to, you didn't have to read, you didn't have to look for an ad. It was just, it was right there at the bottom of the page. And there was that, there was that issue of, um, all caps. I too. think it was Mighty Avengers when, when Bendis was writing it years ago. And, and it was, uh, it even had the, the, the Moray pattern and, and, uh, that there were a couple issues because it took place in the past where, where they, they, they ran with those little ads at the bottom. It was great. Can't do that today with full bleed. No, you can't. You absolutely can't. I wish they did. But I'm an old fart, so. That's true. Yeah. Still love you. Hello, 11 o'clock comics universe. My name is Matt Burden, um, and I am going to open a bottle of Yengling Lager for the first time ever in my life, but I'm going to do it on air. There you go. It's that unmistakable sound of a bottle of Yangling Lager being opened. Vince, I'm sure you're more than familiar with it. First of all, the smell, uh, very familiar. Sounds, it smells like the inside of a, of a pool hall, I have to say. Um, uh, Yangling traditional, original amber beer lager by America's oldest brewery. And there's a picture of a pissed eagle on the front. Pissed being um, British for drunk. Uh, but I'm going to drink some now. Um, yeah, it's all right. Thank you, Simon Price, for bringing me back a bottle of Yingling from America. Now, back to far more interesting people. 
I don't know. So what'd you guys read? Well, that sounded so defeatist. <laughs> I, like, all right, let's talk about your rest stuff. That's like all I talk. I want to hear about this uh, million million copy seller. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Um, well, I was um, talking, of course, about the uh, first Marvel produced Star Wars comic in what uh, twenty years? Twenty over twenty years? Yeah, over twenty years. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars number one by our boy Jason Aaron. With uh, art by John Cassidy and uh, colors by Laura Martin. Um, Vince mentioned this briefly last week. I, I don't know if you, you you may have actually mentioned it after we stopped recording. No, I said it, I, I mentioned it during. The yeah, recording. I thought so. Um, so this was certainly much anticipated, and it takes place shortly after the events of the chronologically first movie in, in terms of. The movie that came out in 1977, but uh, but but in terms of the story continuity, the fourth movie, A New Hope, so it takes place right after A New Hope. They've blown up the Death Star. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> there's you. And the I think the, even my mother knows they blew up. The yeah, and the, the story essentially is uh, is is Han Solo and uh, and C3PO and Luke and uh, Chewie and Leia and uh, some other folks are. Uh, on the Millennium Falcon, and they're um, well, they're not all on the Millennium Falcon, but they they are infiltrating a a uh, a base, and under the auspice of Han, working for Jabba, because they were supposed to uh, Jabba's crew was supposed to meet up with the with the uh, with the Empire and uh, agree to become essentially raw materials um, suppliers to the largest weapons factory under the Empire's control. Um, but little do they know that Han and the Rebel Alliance have uh, taken hold of Jabba's envoy and replaced them with themselves. And uh, the fun ensues until the interrogator shows up, who is none other than Darth Vader. And um, not surprisingly, um, my my issue with this comic... Um, is with the art. Uh, I know Vince, you mentioned that you thought this was Cassidy's best work in a long time. And from that perspective, I'll probably have to agree with you, mm-hmm. but I still am solidly in the camp of struggling to enjoy Cassidy's work. I, I, I just, uh, I feel like yeah. when he's got a screen cap of a face with the exact same angle and, and, and uh and and a profile that he needs for a a panel it works fine but when he needs to take liberties and f- start freehanding it it gets all sorts of wonky so i i, yep. I, I noticed i noticed that in terms of uh luke skywalker yep. there's one page there's one page where there's like two or three successive panels with luke and two of them are on the money and one of them's like what well there's that's exactly right page, there's right. Where where he's facing off against the dude telling him I'm not going to use the blaster. There is a three-quarter shot of Luke's face. It is flawless. Like There are pages where it looks like Cassidy's like, I'm going to make some fucking bank when I sell this page. And then there are other pages where it's just like, here's some stormtroopers and hand solos all the way in the background. So I really don't have to try too hard with this one. Yeah, exactly. It it, it is. It's yes, it, it, it's not planetary Cassidy. It's not, early Astonishing X-Men cast today, it is better than 
those Superman covers and, and reason and Shadowland covers and, and things like that. But it's, um, I, I'd call it inconsistent. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's inconsistent. I, I think that's right. I mean, there, there's, there's all kinds of examples. There's a page where there are two, two close-ups of Leia and it's, it's Carrie Fisher right from the movie. Uh, and, and then there's another one of her again, probably because it's a scene he had to render directly. Um, and, and it looks like Carrie Fisher's 1970s male stunt double. Yes. yes. You know, it's like, so, um, and again, it's, it's almost become cliched in it, pick Cassidy's art. So I don't want to belabor that, but, but I would be lying if I said this book blew me away. Um, I, again, Aaron is an awesome guy and an awesome writer. And, and I think he clearly has a, a passion for this. And, and, but, but I think if I had never seen Cassidy's artwork before, I think this is perfectly fine stuff. So it, it is what it is. But I guess I, I maybe I had too high expectations for this. Um, I, I, I thought this was going to be one of those holy crap. I can't wait to dig in. I can't believe Marvel's got control of this again. I can't wait to see what's happening. And, and this didn't do that for me. It just was read like a perfectly fine, uh, Star Wars comic that I've read lots of others. Um, which again isn't a condemnation of it by any stretch, but it's, it's, it just didn't feel like it's anything particularly any more or less special than what Dark Horse was doing. Uh, you know, maybe, and again, maybe the shame is on me for expecting otherwise. I don't know why I would have expected otherwise, but, uh, but, um, Put it this way, I was more excited by Brian Wood's first issue. I remember reading that and thinking, oh, wow, yeah. this is exciting, um, than I was about this one, to be honest. So. I think some of the, some of the things that, that worked, worked really well, like, like, like the opening crawl, like the, um, the main, the first main page where, where the ship is coming in and, and very reminiscent of the movies. There, there were things sure. that were, were a slight nod to, chronologically as far as where this story takes place happens afterwards like like Han's bodyguards were you know, dressed up just like they were just like Lando was in Return of the Jedi. And right. um so so little things like that. I thought Aaron did a great job. He got he got the voices down. I thought I thought three PO was a little chatty, but not not so that it made me feel like that that doesn't that's not C three PO and and I yeah. it it, it but- how stupid are you to leave 3PO in charge of the Falcon? But it's, like, re- seriously, you're going to leave 3PO in charge of the Falcon? But they've only known each other for a few, I mean, it's, it's, it's been I, a couple I of know. weeks I, at this point. I could see taking R2 with you on a mission, cause R2 gets it done. Ugh. But to, to leave 3PO in charge of the Falcon all by himself, that's just dumb. And I, I, I am a little surprised, and, and I don't know if, if any of the novels play out this way, or if at this point, if the novels are even canon now, um, I was a little surprised to see Vader react uh using the stormtroopers as shields and um I thought that was cool. It was, it, yeah. it visually it was it was very cool, but I it, it didn't from if we're talking about, you know, young whiny bitchy Anakin then, then maybe I could see him acting <laughs> this way, but 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 older Darth from the from the first well from, from episodes 4, 5 and 6 not so much, but we'll we'll see how how the character plays out, but I um you know, I I'll read the next issue. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I mean, even the last page with the, or the, the credits page, which all black, with, but with the blue, which is very reminiscent of the, uh, of movie credits. I, I, presentation wise, I thought the packaging was sharp. Um, 
I, I am a little, a little bummed about some of the art. So. I was entertained. Um, but then again, I, I bought it more out of curiosity mm-hmm. than, than actual desire. Uh, I've read more than enough, uh, Star Wars comics in my time. And for my money, I would much rather Carmine Infantino or Howard oh, Chaykin. Yeah, Rob you know, Fritz. doing the art. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I like it when they take liberties with, with the art, uh, as, as far as the, the, uh, facial features of the characters. We all know what Han looks like. You can be in the ballpark. It doesn't matter. Nice look the same way on the page. To reach on it, on, on a page. Right, yeah, I, I think if you're talk, talk about licensed characters, that one that I, I think should get more credit for doing it almost perfectly is, was George Yanti when he did Buffy. Oh yes, yes. Because you, you, if you were a Buffy fan, you looked at those characters in the comic and, and recognized their likenesses, but it wasn't photorealistic. Right. Jaunty, Jaunty did his own take of what he thought these characters should look like with, with the idea of the actors being an inspiration rather than a, a mimicry. And, uh, and look, you know, you know, you, you, I will say this about Cassidy. Everything I've heard, including Aaron on an interview, I think, uh, on Suntress's show, um, Cassidy is an obscenely big Star Wars fan. I mean, like, like massive, like collect Star Wars memorabilia. He's just a massive fan. And he has, this is his dream project. He has wanted to do Marvel. Uh, he's wanted to do Star Wars comics his entire career. So I do think to whatever extent you are generally a fan of Cassidy's work at his best, this is what you're getting. Um, I, I, so, so it, I wouldn't classify this as some of the Cassidy work we've seen a few years back where you really wondered if it was a, a body snatcher. Um, but just again, for, for me, it's, it's not a draw. And, and what's, what's curious to me, and I would, if I could be Marvel editor for a day is, um, t- two of the three announced Star Wars books are by artists that I, I, I don't feel put their best foot forward for Marvel, but clearly I have a differing viewpoint of these artists than Marvel because Marvel consistently gives these guys huge, top billing titles. So they obviously disagree with me. And maybe the sales argue that 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 they're right and I'm wrong. But I I, I the, the only one that I'm excited about the art is the Dodson one. Now I I got I would have I'm sorry, I, I would have agreed with you. I would have been like, holy shit, Dodson, especially on a Princess Leia book, I am so there. But after the Dodsons did those issues of Axis and looking at the preview pages for Princess Leia at the in the back of Star Wars number one of the three, the main book and the two preview pages, if this was 2001, I could say, hey, you know, this wouldn't sound surprising. But the best, the one that looks the best for the few pages we're given is is Darth Vader by LaRocca. That's what I was going to say. You, you have to admit, those LaRocca pages are tight. Especially with, with, with Vader facing, holding court in front of Jabba, and you have everybody... Yeah. The Jabba's Palace behind him. You got Boba Fett. You got the Jawas. You got basically everybody who's in the cantina. But that—that's an amazing double-page spread. I look at—I look at the pages with with Luke and Han being awarded by Leia, and and even Chewie. I'm like that. I I that or or the crowd scene. The next page, just the preview page. I, I'm I'm so not feeling it. I'm going to read it because it's Star Wars. But I'm like I. I, I would have liked something more from, from artists that I think can do more, can do better. 
Got to admit that that double page spread, that's four or $5,000 right there. Easy. Yeah, easy. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. You get, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, it was fine, but not, I wasn't blown away by it. Think about the royalty uh, program that Marvel has instituted. I would say that the creative team on Star Wars number one got a pretty penny for that issue. Or or will be once the numbers come in. Oh, I agree. Well, the numbers came in, they're over a million. That's insane. So and yes. and the uh, I, the royalty program was based on uh, the old or semi current numbers. Like let's say you know you get you get a nice boost on everything over one hundred fifty thousand. If you sell a million, you're talking bank. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. That's that's sweet. But not like I said, I was entertained. I thought the story was the the strongest part of the issue. Um, you know, the interplay between Leia and Han, like, what, so why are you here? Well, because he loves you, you dumbass, you know, and it's just, just little things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. The, the, the art, you know, I, I didn't really find anything particularly wrong with it, but then again, I wasn't really looking that hard. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it is what it is. A, de- a, a decent start. I'll stick with it. Yes. Oh, same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. David. Oh, um, Fess up. Tell us what you read. I, I decided to give something a shot that um, looked appealing um, from from some of the art that I've seen. This is uh, published by Dark Horse. It is Lady Killer, number one of five. Oh, uh, your story is by um, Joelle Jones and uh, Jamie S. Rich. Art by Ms. Jones and colors by Laura Allred. And letters by Crank. Uh it's uh it it's it looks great uh, we are introduced to um an avon saleswoman who isn't necessarily an avon saleswoman she is a um she she's basically hired to uh take people out you want to say assassinate them um but we catch her doing her work and she is actually a her, her other day job, I guess, would be a, a housewife. And, um, her, uh, her husband is, um, seems to be a descendant of a, his mother lives with them. And, and so, uh, um, the, uh, little lady killer, her, her mother-in-law is German and, and speaks German, even though, uh, her son has asked her repeatedly not to, um, speak German in front of his wife. But the um but Josie is uh it appears works for someone or at least is hired by someone to, to do jobs that um require her her finesse. Uh there's a, a gentleman who goes by the name Peck. He uh comes by the house while may, may kind of really Cutting a little close because husband's home, kids are home, mother-in-law is home. Uh, so she has to excuse herself, go outside. She, she tells a lie, says that it's the neighbor. Um, but the mother-in-law is watching through the window, sees Josie talking to Peck. Um, obviously thinks something is up that, uh, something is up, but maybe not what, what mother-in-law thinks. Uh, so she has to now go undercover. Um, basically, at something similar to uh to the Playboy Club. 
uh, the last page she, she's wearing, um, cat's ears wearing a very, um, tight corset with the whole tail and everything. Um, but the first issue is, is a really interesting setup. I, I don't know a lot about hardly anything about the organization she works for. I don't know if, if she's a good guy or a bad guy. It's, uh, it, it really is the, the, the art is what is really clinched it for me with, with this, um, dying to find out what happens to the mother-in-law because once I have a feeling the mother-in-law is going to push, push a button one too many times and, uh, Josie will kind of strike back at that, but it's, uh, it, it's somewhat of a period piece. It, it takes place, uh, I'd say in, in late fifties, maybe early sixties. Uh, I definitely, this would have been my in your travels. I, I, I definitely recommend it. It's, um, it, it, it's five issues. I don't know if this is, uh, I don't know if this appeared in, in Dark Horse Presents or an earlier serial, but I am dying to find out more about it, but I would, uh, I would definitely recommend it. it, it it's not something that, that I'm used to reading. It, I guess the concept kind of is because Lord knows I read plenty of comics where, where not so good people do things to, to bad people. I, there was a, she, she was hired at the beginning of this issue to do a job and, and then we are introduced to her family and, and what she does when she's not out killing people. So it's, um, I'll, I'll purposely be vague in, in that regard, but I, um, I, I think that this would be a, I'm, I'm not to see where they're going with the five issues. It is really, I don't know if they're going to just, you know, this issue ended. We'll, find out what she's up to with the next issue i don't know if uh if we'll get more info on on her on what she did before she started working for these people if we're just going to find out what's going on with her while she's on the job but uh i i would definitely say to give um give lady killer a shot i uh i saw the cover and and i kind of had to know i mean she's she's in her nice pink dress with 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 her yellow playtex gloves on and, and with the mop and, and the bucket and, and blood all over the kitchen. And, uh, so that, that kind of sets the stage and, and, and gives you an idea about what to expect in it. But it, it, I, I'm a little, I'm also curious to know if, if once the job is completed at the beginning of the issue, we, we then cut to her at home, um, frying up what looks like some, uh, some steak, or pork chops in a frying pan. And for all I know, that could have been the, uh, the victim from the first part <laughs> the issue. I really don't know, but it's, you know, and her, her kids are adorable. She has, um, she has twin daughters. She has a dog that the house is a mess. The kids are, um, playing Indians and, and, and running around shooting uh suction cup arrows at each other. It, it, it really does set a nice stage for what this woman does when she's not, um, trying to strangle or, or poison, um, people. I, uh, I would definitely, like I said, I, I check it out. That's basically what I'm saying. See, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm happy and I'm also a little bit upset uh-huh. that, that you enjoyed this because I considered it. I wanted to add it to my order when I saw the preview images because I, I love the art. I think the art looks great. It does. Um, and I couldn't find a spot for it. <laughs> I, I order more Dark Horse now than I think I ever did. 
I, I get like 10 to 12 Dark Horse titles every month. And I'm trying to find a spot for it. And I had to cut it because it, it pushed me over budget. So, yes, I'm happy because now I know I can pick up the eventual trade. It'll be a no-brainer. I'm just, I'll just add it to my order. Yeah. But I, I wish I was reading it in singles because if you like it, you know, oh, I think chances, chances are really good that I would too. And isn't it odd that I read something about not-so-nice people doing really horrible things to very bad people? That pretty much sums up half of your reading list. Seriously. Uh, yes, that's very true. Um, I, I read the first issue of this when it came out, and for whatever reason, I fell off the wagon. I think Jason read the whole thing, talked about it, and was pretty ambivalent about it, if I remember correctly. But um, it's written by Grant Morrison, drawn by Derek Robertson, uh, published, published by Image, and, it, and it's called Happy. Uh-huh. No, I loved Happy. You did? Oh, I loved it, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, I, I read Happy, and I thought... We need more playful Grant Morrison. Yeah, absolutely. You you did not need, um, you know, a master's degree in in shared universe continuity to to appreciate any of the events of this book. It was it was uh, it's extremely violent. It's very obscene. The language in it is filthy um, because it's largely unsavory types. Dude, when the hooker has to dress up like the cockroach. I know, well, the, the guy dressed up like the guy. Or the guy did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, just, just doing terrible, terrible things. The bloodshed in it is incredible. Uh, every other page, that C word that would get me in a lot of trouble for saying at home pops up. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's borderline obscene and I loved it. Um, just to reiterate what Jason probably said at least a hundred episodes ago. Uh, Nick Sachs used to be a detective, a, a damn good detective, uh, straight as they come, uh, joins the force, does his job, and the, uh, the horrors of what he sees while he's on the job start to wear on him after a while. And, and he turns to the bottle, distances himself a bit from his wife, and in doing so, uh, finds, I guess, solace comfort in the arms of his partner uh is it pronounced mirda um and just so happens that one of the mob bosses uh on his beat gets wind of it and takes photos of nick you know sucking face with his partner and he the, the mob boss threatens him he's been trying to get him to come on the take for a while and nick's not having it and he threatens him he said look if you don't you know get in my pocket I'm going to send these pictures to your wife. And Nick does what Nick normally does and tells him, you know, fuck you. So, um, the Mr. Blue sends these pictures to his wife and obviously the wife leaves. But what Nick doesn't know is the wife is pregnant and he just goes further into the bottle and he's, he's, he's let go from the force and becomes a, uh, an assassin. And that's where the book opens. And he takes a, a contract on three, uh, I believe, the, the Fratelli brothers to, to ice these these mob guys. And what he doesn't know is a fourth man joins them, one that's been away. Uh, I, I think he was making wine over in, in uh, Italy or something. Comes back and he, he hooks up with his, his brothers. And so Nick kills them all, but not before the, the, the odd man out 
gives him a password. Turns out the, his great grandfather was sitting on a fortune. It's been sequestered away, and, and if the only person, the only way you can get it is if you have this password. And and this this thug uses the password to barter for his life, but it doesn't matter. Nick kills him anyway, but not before he tells him the password. Mr. Blue ain't having it. He wants the money because Mr. Blue is the brother. No, the uh, what is he? He's he's related to the the old man Fratelli. I think he's his old man Fratelli was his grandfather, and uh, he wants that password, and he'll do anything to get it. So they, it, there's one instance where where Nick is shot and he has a mild heart attack, if such a thing can happen, a mild heart attack, and begins to see a blue unicorn, a cartoon blue unicorn appears to him. And that's where the book t- takes this really weird turn, and the the unicorn whose name is Happy tells him we got to go save Haley, and Nick has no idea who Haley is, or, or, or why she's in trouble. All he wants to do is drown his sorrows. In, in, in beer and broads, but the, 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 the horse, cartoon horse keeps pressing on. We gotta, gotta find and save Haley. And I won't reveal anything else because it's, it's pretty cool twist. And, uh, there's, uh, a, a, a murderous pedophile Santa Claus. There's buckets, buckets of gore. I mean, it's, it's a very, very violent book. And, um, like I said, I thought that, if Morrison was like this all the time, I would enjoy much more Morrison because there was no baggage at all. The the continuity began on the first page and it ended on the last. All you needed to know was was right inside the, the these four issues. And yeah, there there's there's he plays with the symbolism and, and there there's very subtle bookends in the in the first issue and the last issue. It's 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 a well constructed book and it, it it's deeper than just a you know, your, your average, it's deeper than an issue of the boys, right? Let's just put it like that. I always use the boys in this example because to me, whenever you say Derek Robertson, the boys pop up in, into my head. And, uh, but I thought, I thought it was fantastic. The, the, uh, the cartoon horse is, is ridiculous and, and rightly so because it's a cartoon horse. It's totally out of place in, in, in the, you know, the reality. And it, it look, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb and that's, that's what it should do. Um, Jason, I, I should have got on it sooner, but it's been sitting in my pile and I was like, oh, I can read this. Uh, where did, I haven't read this, the first issue in what? Three years? Did it come out? Three years ago, I think? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, give or take, sure. There are advertisements for image books I had no idea existed in this thing. <laughs> series, series that have come and gone. It's like, I didn't even know they published this. Yeah, and so yeah, it was fun. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. But the, I think Image published an oversized hardcover of this, which is fitting because I think this is some of uh, Robertson's finest work. We we always say you can always tell when when Robertson is energized, like on Ballistic, he was all into that story, one hundred percent. But then there were some issues of the boys where it's like, yeah, he's not feeling it anymore. You you could just tell. And, but that is, this, this Robertson on this book is just totally invested, totally into it. The, the, there's more lines per page than, than, uh, a 90s image book. It is very detailed. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yep. I'm glad you, uh, finally got with the program. And, and there's blowjobs in it. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's always a good thing. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I got some she, image love to keep with. Woo. What you got? Well, uh, about eight months ago, 
I reviewed in depth the first volume of Manifest Destiny. Oh yes, uh, which is, is written by Chris. Uh, I believe it's is it's I believe it's Dingus D I N G E S S, uh, with art by Matthew Roberts and colors by Owen Gianni. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those that don't remember, it, it's by Image Comics. It's um it's essentially a um a take on the Lewis and Clark expeditions. Um, it starts off in the same way that the history books do, where Lewis and Clark are tasked by the president to um, go on an expedition to map out the Louisiana Purchase. Um, but this being an image book, uh, we quickly realized that the expedition has far more sinister and um, supernatural uh, rationale than the history books tell us. And in the first volume, essentially the the big reveals are that the St. Louis Arch is covered in this crazy alien flora, and the flora takes over uh, any living creature, including humans, and zombifies them into a hive mind. And then we're also introduced to uh, buffetars, which are uh, American buffalo minotaurs, and uh, it's it's absolutely insane. So this this second volume, which uh, just hit the stands, I think, two, three weeks ago. Picks up right where that left off. Um, the survivors of the encampment uh, that were being bombarded by the Buffetars have hopped aboard the boat with Lewis and Clark and their people. And they're now going down, uh, I assume it's the Mississippi, although I should double-check that, but they're going down a river and continuing their expedition and they get stuck. Um, some kind of mass is holding the ship up. So they dive under the boat and they see that it's another one of those arcs that look like the St. Louis Ark, which tells them that there's issues. And this time, the they're confronted with a gigantic five-tongue mutant frog that essentially is, is, is crowding the waterways and eating anything that goes near out of the water. And so uh, Clark is on the ship... And with about half the crew, and then Lewis and the other half of the crew are on the beach, and neither of the two can get to each other because of this frog creature. So essentially, the volume is two concurrent stories where the landlocked group is dealing with a, a bunch of of machinations, including giant killer mosquitoes that embed into people and then hatch out of their skin like the Alien movie. And then you've got the 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 boat side where people are trying to both create a way to kill the insects and also fight the frog and figure out a way to get off of this arc that they're stuck on. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's just more world building. Um, we, we learn more about the, the motivations of Lewis and Clark themselves. We learn, uh, about, uh, some of the, the sordid backstory of some of their, uh, crew members. And, um, and not surprisingly, they, uh, they're all very flawed people. Um, uh, Lewis is essentially a, uh, a part, he's an academic, uh, but he's, he's a partier. He's, uh, also bisexual. And back when this was taking place, that would have been a, a big no-no. And so the president basically blackmails him and says, you're, you're going to go on this expedition and it's going to be, it's going to be life-threatening. But if you manage to make it back, I will make you governor of a state as from the Louisiana purchase and, uh, and you can't say no because I'm going to 
tell everybody about your pension for young boys if you if you don't go. So so Lewis says I'm on it, and he's clearly got history with Clark, who's now a drunken retired, uh, you know, ex soldier, and he convinces Clark to go simply because it's a death defying mission, and Clark is dying for the excitement that he once felt when he was uh, mapping the Indian territories. Uh, and we're just, we're just, we're just further introduced to the characters. We, we, um, Sacagawea is part of this crew and, and, uh, much in, as in the first volume, she is an ass kicker, uh, a total badass. She's kind of the muscle of the group. Uh, and, um, it's just clear that there are many, many more horrors with which you're going to be documented. And, uh, it, it's, it's got a, it's got a Mignola vibe to it, you know, and the, the way the creatures are depicted and the, the the almost Lovecraftian um, meets satanic kind of embodiment that some of these creatures uh, have, but it all really works and the colors are lush. Jenny does a great job. I love Matthew Roberts' art, as I talked about when I talked about the first volume. I think it's it's just wonderful stuff. Uh, expressive faces. Um, he's he's as good with with uh, with with character rendering as he is with. With, uh, you know, the, the, the surrounding architecture and, uh, and, and the wildlife. I mean, there's pretty much, there's not a thing that he, he puts pen to paper on in this, this book that, that doesn't work. So, uh, I feel like this is one of those image books that's terrific, but not getting anywhere near the press or accolades that some of the, the, the other image books do that uh, perhaps have higher named creators with them. And, uh, yeah. that's a damn shame because, uh, Dingus and, and, and Roberts are, are putting it down here through 12 issues. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And, uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. So get on board before the third volume hits the stands. Well, now I have something to look forward to in my next box because I got the second volume coming. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on the, on the, everything you said. I think the series is great. It's, it's definitely a sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I should say it's a skybound imprint. It's one of Kirkman's babies. Like he discovered these guys. So mm-hmm. kudos to him for that. But, uh, yeah, man, it's cool. Like there's giant insects and, uh, and, and the characters are really getting fully rendered. There's, um, you know, there's a, a young girl that, that is with them because of the, she's a 17 year old girl. And, uh, and this one of Lewis and Clark's main assistants, uh, is, is put in charge of protecting her on the boat from all the ne'er-do-wells because the boat is essentially comprised of a number of trusted military and ex-military that worked with Lewis and Clark for years. And then most of the crew are people that were criminals and were given the ultimatum of you can either stay in prison or death row or you can come on this expedition. So the one of the lieutenants is put in charge of this girl because, again, having a 17-year-old girl on a boat for months at a time with a bunch of, of, of dudes is probably not a good recipe, especially back then. And he's her protector, but then they get out into the woods and he's all of a sudden like, come on, I know you want it. Now that we're alone, you, you know, let me have it. And she of course isn't into him. And it's like a perfect scene out of one of those eighties horror movies. He's essentially got his pants down. He's about to rape her. You know, he's on top of her. He's about to insert himself in her. And then a gigantic mosquito just guts him. And it's so cool. It's just like, you know, when, when, when the, the cup, when the, the horny kids are banging in the middle of the woods and, you know, Jason Voorhees takes a, you know, a knife through the guy's chest is, you know, he's on top of the girl. It's just yeah. like that kind of image. And, um, uh, and there's another woman who is older and kind of prudish, but she's 
clearly got a backstory. She's as good a surgeon as Lewis is. She really becomes invaluable to him in terms of dissecting and chronicling the creatures they come across. And uh, just there's a lot of backstory, a lot of interweaving. Clearly, I don't know if, if Dingus and, and Roberts have a a grand total in terms of issues that they'd like to do. And I don't know, again, probably some of this will be dependent on how well it sells. But, but this feels like one of those great vertigo runs where there were 60 to 80 issues that were going to unfold. And uh, I certainly hope that the book is successful enough commercially that they can tell the story they intend to tell because clearly we're just getting started um, and they have a lot more to go. Yeah. I definitely get a 70s nature run amok uh, type vibe from it because, I mean, back then you had Food of the Gods, like giant animals, extreme proportions on these things. That's the kind of – tone that whenever I, I i read this stuff it just makes me feel like the that that period where yeah you know that that was a trend yeah, uh, yeah. With, with some 70s movies and it just it feels right and it's 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 exciting yeah I, i'm pretty I sure the first volume was was subtitled flora and fauna and this one is ah. uh titled amphibia and insecta so, Ooh. yeah jason vince tell me you saw birdman <laughs> Haven't seen it yet, player. Ah, oh. <sighs> okay. Well, you have to because it's incredible. I, I have no doubt. Yes. Although I got the sense from David's chattering about it, it wasn't exactly a home run for him. It was. Uh, I'm not. No, I. I'm not gonna get into it. I. I. I don't want to. Um. Give you any. Uh, misconceptions. Vince, Vince thinks it's absolutely phenomenal. There are, um, th- there's, there's one thing that is, is stopping me from saying it is as great as I want it to be, mm-hmm. but I will wait until you see it. It's, it, it's, it, it's not glaringly obvious, but it, it's one of those things where it, it's just, I don't, I don't want to say something that, that, that's basically just going to, to taint it for you. So I'll, I'll, I want you to see it unfettered and, and we'll, we'll discuss it then. But it's, um, it, it, it is, it is amazing. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm glad I saw it and, and, uh, I don't think Renee was right in, in the right frame of mind. It, it's something I don't think she's going to watch again. It's something I'll probably watch again, but it, it's, um, it's, what was great is that we're watching it and, and it opens and, and everything's fine. And, and a lot of it is, it felt very Hitchcockian in some parts. And, um, there's the long trailing scenes where, uh, the camera is in front of, uh, the actors as, as they're walking through the, uh, backstage and the dressing rooms and everything. And everybody's like, that voice sounds familiar. Why is that? That guy sounds like Michael Keaton, and I really thought she was just fucking kidding, and she was oh, absolutely wow. serious. Where, she, where, where I'm like, but that it is Michael Keaton. She's like, wait, what? So, I I think the last time she heard Michael Keaton was from Cars, but it it's been a while since, since we had seen him. But it's um, it uh, it's it's something you need to see. It's something I think people people should see, depending on where they fall as as far as. Their entertainment. If, if you're a comic book fan, if you're a comic book movie fan, uh, if if you like seeing um, broken people uh, interact with other 
broken people. I there's a lot to to take away from it, and and I um I think you'll dig it. Uh, I just I will wait until we're all present and and are caught up before I I mentioned the one thing that that kind of bugged me about it. Jason, from a production standpoint, it's 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 phenomenal. Yeah, because because you're you are given the illusion that the the movie's one long take. Right, right. But I mean, to a trained eye, you can see where the uh, yeah. Well, it's it's like Rope in that regard. Hitchcock when when he made Rope because he obviously back then they didn't have the technology to, to to record something for such long periods and and so whenever it was over the course of like ninety minutes, but whenever he had to switch reels, he would have an actor kind of walk in front of the camera so that it would go dark. And then keep walking and then that would let them change reels. But it, it's, it, that's exactly what Vince is saying that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's over the course of, of a day or so, but the way it, it is, um, because it, it, it's a couple of preview nights, but yeah, it's, 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 it is, well, I did not know it pretty much took place at one, in one location. I, I had right. no idea based on the trailers and stuff. One of the first splices I noticed is when, uh, uh, Emma Stone is on the roof and, uh, um, Ed Norton. What the frig is Ed Norton goes up to talk to her uh-huh. and it pan, the camera pans up and you see the building yep. and it go, it goes from night to day. That's an obvious right. place. But, uh, before that, I mean, you fuck up on one of these takes and yeah, they, they would have to start. They would have to do a significant amount of legwork to, to make up the, the, the time. I mean, I'm thinking, uh, in that scene where, where Norton throws the, the, the glass against the wall, uh-huh. like, what if he, what if he fucked that yeah. up? What if his throw was off? Like, they would have to do a massive amount of work to, to get that back, but logistically, it's, it's amazing, yeah. but we'll talk about the story when, uh, after Jason's scene. Yes. Cool. I think you're gonna like it. I, I hope so. Yeah, it's really cool. Nice. So what else do we have? Uh, well, it is, I, I, um, I don't want to give this away because it was, if, if we, if you talked about your, uh, crossover, then it would have led into my inner travels from last week. So I'm going to leave that alone. I will, um, I, well, see now if Jason and I get into this, Vince, you're not caught up. You didn't read Avengers number 40, did you? I want to hear about it though. No, I, I did read 40, but to be honest, a lot of the events didn't really resonate because I, I, I'm about five or six issues. Um, I've lacked, lapsed. Oh. About. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do have to get caught up, but I heard there was a lot of stuff going on in Avengers 40. Yeah. So, so I read the damn thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's still, now, time's still running out. It's still set in 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 the future, but it is uh, it it takes place immediately after. Was it the last issue of Avengers or was it New Avengers? But it, it takes New place twenty eight. I think. Okay, so it's it's right after that where uh, where End Games were revealed and and um, the uh, like Jason mentioned last time with 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 the 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 con game and and the. Uh, the double swerve and things like that. It, it, it's right after that. Pe- people have discussions. There, there are conversations held and, um, and people, uh, admitting, well, I don't know if admitting guilt is the right term, but, but coming to terms with, with, uh, what 
will happen once. Yeah, well, you can. I mean, right? I mean, basically, there's there's the three groups. There's there's the the Illuminati, for lack of a better term. There's Steve Rogers and Shield, and then there's the Bobby DaCosta Avengers. And between thirty nine and twenty eight, they all come to a meetup ahead, and everybody's cards are laid on the table. We find out that it looks like Reed and the Illuminati are still working with Namor and the Cabal. And this is kind of the come to Jesus moment for them all where they all say, listen, uh, there's more to the story. Hear us out. And Steve, of course, Mr. High Horse is like not trying to hear <laughs> that. Dick. I don't want to talk about this. I don't care if the world's going to end in 10 minutes unless you guys are going to pay for your crimes, which seems a little whack in the given circumstance, but. <laughs> But to David's point, they, they, there's some pretty cool character moments where, where Beast and Reed and, um, I'm forgetting someone, but, uh, one of the, one of someone else of the group, uh, all say, yeah, listen, uh, we're, we're more than prepared to answer for our crimes oh, when they, Namor. Namor, Namor that's like, listen, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I, I did this and, and I will, I own it and, and I deserve whatever's coming to me. So just a- answer one question. I, I may have blanked on this. When did Namor flood Wakanda? Uh, Infinity, right? Did he give up Wakanda to yeah, uh, Thanos' crew? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I did blank on it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, it, there was, there was a couple of panels with Bobby and Sam that could have gone in a different direction. It could have gotten very grating. But there was just enough where, um, cause normally you, you, you think they're, they're cracking wise and some of it is at, is it Hank? Is it beast expense? But, um, as it should be, as it should be, but at, you kind of get the sense where if they kept going a little bit, if, if, if they just kept pushing it, that, that read would have just snapped because this isn't the time or the place for it. But I think, I think Hickman was, very good in in giving it just enough where they they allowed the the the, the levity for um with with this huge uh dilemma facing them and and uh I thought that was a nice touch uh Caselli's art was absolutely stunning the uh but yeah and again to go along with 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 the whole con game analogy uh we get flashbacks to um T'Challa and and well Black Panther talking to his father talking to his sister um re- reminding us that uh T'Challa's father basically doesn't believe in mercy and and can't believe that the uh the king of Atlantis still breathes air or water and and that uh Black Panther should have disposed of him a while ago and and like everything T'Challa does Everything happens for a reason. He does everything deliberately. And, uh, there was a reason why Namor was kept alive. Uh, and I, 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 it's weird on its own. It, it, I got to the end of the issue and there's one line in a caption box on the very last page, but I don't know how, I don't know if it had a sense of finality as far as that goes. And I, it, it's an issue that I will have to reread as, as the event gets closer to its conclusion. Um, by itself, it was a very big 
issue. There, there, there was a lot that happened, but I think uh, it, it's one that I'll need to go back to as uh, as things play out. To see, not, not not to see if I missed anything, but just to make sure that uh, it, it's an issue that that shouldn't be treated lightly. You shouldn't just read through and be like, okay, bring on the next issue. There's there's things here between the panels that you kind of have to let sink in. Uh, agreed. And, and there's some conversation on <laughs> hey, there is. the, the issue in our forums, 11 o'clock comics.com and the Facebook page and the Facebook page. And I do think that there are some legitimate nitpicks. Um, I, I'm with them. Um, I'm with the, the, I think it's, is it Eric Figueroa? It's Eric. The, no, Eric Harmon, Eric Harmon. I'm with Eric on his nitpick about Black Bolt. I, 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 I think it's a valid nitpick, but, but it is obviously a nitpick. It doesn't obfuscate the significance of, of the, of what's actually happening in the plot. Um, but yeah, man, shit's real. Uh, you know, T'Challa, they, they're all making decisions that they know they can't ever come back from, um, which I appreciate. Um, you know, there's no, there's no pathos, like with Civil War, for as significant as that was, um, you know, there was this, there was still that pathos where they both, they all thought they were right. And, and then it was just a matter of time before they shook hands and said, Oh, my bad. You know, we're still boys, <laughs> but the stuff that's going on in Hickman's Avengers, I mean, there really is no turning back. And it's not just in terms of how they, some of the heroes look at these guys anymore, but it's how they look at themselves. I mean, they, they've made choices that they think they had no, that they had to make yet at the same time, they understand their choices that forever condemn them to being soulless or, you know, unredeemable, if you will, irredeemable. So, um, yeah, I, I, um, th- this was a bit of a transition issue in the sense that it, it essentially is, is there to accomplish one goal, which is essentially removing the cabal from the, from the chessboard. And, uh, just given the, the, given who the cabal is comprised of, you have to wonder if, are they really off the table, right? I mean, can, can you really just still, there's still four months left. You know, if, I mean, as far as what, what the, um, the covers announced, what the whole time runs out. So it, part of me thinks it's, it's a little too soon to take these guys off the board, but, um, it also gets them off the board so Hickman can free up everybody else to do what he needs. Sure. To tell that story. So it's, um, yeah, it, it could go a couple different ways and, you know, Everybody was ready to give themselves up and, and, you know, so Steve turns to Black Panther and the child's like, absolutely not. And, and I mean, everybody, I thought that everybody played their part well. Everybody made sense. There wasn't anything that seemed out of character for anybody. I don't think that, uh, especially Sam and Bobby. It, it just, it really was a, um, a, a strong issue. You know, we didn't, we didn't get, there weren't any, uh, side stories. Like, like we didn't, we, um, yeah. We, we didn't go to Doom or, or, or Kristoff or Molecule Man or anything like that. So Hickman still has that to play with in, in, uh, like in say New Avengers. But this, this was, uh, this was a pretty straightforward issue and, and one that, um, yeah, it, it, it like you said, this shit's real. Isn't it amazing, uh, specifically with the fans that Hank has gone from like beloved character to, oh god, it's friggin' Hank again. <laughs> Well, there, uh, the, like David was saying, uh, Sam and Bobby are busting on Beast, and then he's like, "Are you quite done?" And then Bobby, without missing a beat, is like, "No, we both no. thought you looked better as a cat." <laughs> <laughs> so, 
it's funny. So Be- Beast is the whipping boy, and and rightly so because uh, yeah, he's he's got to come up and. In, in his future, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I, I oh, can't yeah. Here's that. one thing that 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 I never quite understood with all the multiverses and stuff. We 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 know there's we, we know there's lots of Reed Richards, right? Because we've seen that. Mm-hmm. Hick, I mean, Hick, Hickman did it. We we know there are multiple Infinity Gems, like there's Infinity Gems in like in each universe, right? Yeah, thanks, Cap. Right, but so <laughs> <laughs> so um. Like, that's kind of what I didn't understand a little bit about this Cabal thing. Like, Thanos is godlike in our universe, but there would be a Thanos in every universe. Right. So why aren't there another hundred Thanoses that are out to do the same kind of thing? Well, maybe that's coming down the uh, the pipe in the future. Who knows? Yeah, no, maybe. Yeah, no, right. I'm just saying, like, I was thinking about, you know, if, if, if you if your goal is to remove our Thanos by taking him to another universe and then destroying it. Aren't there a thousand tr- or, you know, a, an infinite number of other Thanoses that, right. Right. You know, so yeah. And, and mayhap they aren't all, um, bastards. Maybe there's a Thanos hero out there. somewhere. yeah, mayhap. Yeah. That would be cool. Mayhap. Now I have to say, um, you know, I haven't always been as huge a dance lot fan as you guys. But I have been very complimentary of, of this Spider-Man run, especially recently. I gotta say, um, for, for the gravitas with which the idea of multiple universes is being treated in Hickman stuff, the fun Dan is having with Spider-Verse is such a nice juxtaposition against that. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and, and Quapel and Common Coley are just, it's Common Coley, right? He did the last issue. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. just obscene. I mean, it's it's so cool to see them render the different Spider Men in different ways. Like to see the 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 you know the 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 one Spider Man drawn very flat because he was from the seventies. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like just just so drawn, just so well thought out and and uh, you know you've got a Spider Man Mecca. You know? Oh come on! Uh-huh. That that made my day when I saw that in there. I'm sure it did. So, to introduce um, the the Japanese, uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce. So I'll just Leopardin. say Spider Man and, and Leopardarn in, into the Marvel continuity, yeah. dude. That's like a Christmas present. Yeah. I figured you'd be giddy about that. Yeah, I have one on my shelf. You do, Goken. Yes, I didn't know that. Come on. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, but I I think uh, Amazing Spider Man number twelve was phenomenal. Yes, the I think it's Marvel's best book. Judging, I mean, even if you go by 11 o'clockers, they, they don't have a title that even comes close to the joy I get from Amazing. And that's largely going to end. I mean, just, just taking guesses, putting aside the big reveal on the last page of issue 12. What, what, who do you think, do you think we know who the Weaver is? I, I haven't thought about it. I, as far as who the Weaver is. See, I, I think we must. Cause he's in a mask. He clearly has significance. Yeah. Yes. He's clearly not evil, at least in the pure, in the pure sense. Right. So I, I feel like there's got to be a reveal there, no? Yeah, I think we know who it is, but I'm not going to hazard a guess because I've been wrong. Uh, my Amazing Spider-Man track record is you not think it's good. Uncle ben? No, mm, I don't think so. You're close, but I don't think, think it's Uncle it is. Ben. Who do you think it is, Dave? Uh, it, it's uh, part of me thinks. It, oh, see, I don't. I don't want to say May. Uh, it, dude, we know, dude. It, it's Spider Man, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, it's a dude. With, he's shirtless with a. Yeah. Eye. Well. Yeah. Um, 
No, because we see, I don't, I, uh, I don't think it's Ben. Um, I don't think it's Ezekiel. Uh, yeah, no. Stanley. Oh, gee. <laughs> that would, <laughs> it's Ditko. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Ditko. <laughs> He's weaving it, baby. Um, that's funny. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll, I'll. I Ditko, I miss, I miss, uh, hearing from Zach. I wonder if he doesn't listen anymore. He does. He does. He's just too busy. Dude's teaching. Yeah. What ifs? Still waiting for that comic you and he were going to put out. It'll happen. I believe you had set a deadline roughly equivalent to uh, about the same time that Christopher Priest died. So what else do we have? Christopher Priest. I mean, (laughs) Freudian slip. (laughs) McDuffie died. Sorry. Yeah. Almost just over four years ago. That's crazy. <sighs> Fuckers never forget anything, do you? Like Ellison. Yeah, like Buffy died. So yeah. Uh, let's look at the clock on the wall, people. <laughs> oh, hey, we are so away. out of time. Uh, uh, once again, please head on over to our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. If you want to get your books cheaply, get them quickly, get them in pristine condition, delivered right to your door. There is no other place. To go, but discount comic book service. Uh, to reiterate, from Dynamite, Black Cross number one, one dollar ninety nine cent. From the Dark Horse, Frankenstein Underground number one, dollar seventy five. And do not forget the Secret Wars Battle World box set slipcase hardcover, eleven hardcovers for a paltry two hundred and fifty dollars. That's half off the cover price. Nowhere else will you find it cheaper. I guarantee it. In your travels, I just got this today, and I'm about 10 pages into it, so I can't really comment on the story, but it's from Fanagraphics. It's another of Jacques Tardy's adaptations of uh, Jean-Patrick Manchette's stories. This time, it's Run Like Crazy, Run Like Hell. Just got it today. It's a hardcover, $19.99 cover price. Ah, the art's gorgeous. It is so beautiful. Um, it, that's almost redundant when talking about Tardy. Uh, it's, it's, um, another one of those noir pot boilers, uh, from what I can glean right now. Uh, young girl, uh, Julie, she, uh, voluntarily entered a psyche, psychiatric facility and, uh, releases herself. It's an, it's a, like an, an open-ended, program you can release myself you can join and leave whenever you want uh she she releases herself into the custody of uh someone who hires her to be a nanny for um a young young man named peter and uh son of a very 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 rich man and peter's kidnapped or an attempt is made to kidnap peter and uh you know the uh the dirty deeds ensue but man, is it gorgeous! Oh, um, I can say no more right now, except I, I would recommend you buy this and all of the other Tardy uh, adaptation or translations well, from. Uh, I, have a, I have a question. Anagraphics. Huh. Uh, are the dirty deeds are, are they done dirt cheap? <laughs> they could be, yes. Uh, <laughs> it, but you know what? One of the things I believe Kim Thompson translated all the other tardy adaptations and it was very sad not to see his name 
attached to this. Mm-hmm. The uh, the translator this time around is Doug Headline, who could be uh, uh, a pseudonym for someone else. I don't know, but uh, uh, God bless uh, Kim Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. but so, go get this. Do it. Yeah, I have all of them so far. Of course you do. I I I can't wait till I have the complete Tardy library. And I will cherish them and love them as well I should. Squeeze them out of them and call them George. Yes. Uh, in your travels. Um finally finished this. Finally finished the fifth issue. Um it is uh City on the Edge of Forever, the Harlesons. Ellen Harlison's Harlan Ellison's <laughs> Jesus Harlan Ellison's uh humana, humana. Uh, graphic novelization of of his version of the episode City on the Edge of Forever from Star Trek uh it ends in a way similar to well the the, the events from the episode kind of play out the same way uh in the book and um everything goes back to uh, what we expect at, at the end of the, uh, the end of the story, um, as mentioned from previous talks on, on this series, the, uh, what Ellison wrote was different than what played out on the screen. And, uh, I think both are really good stories. JK Woodward's art helps, um, Tell this story. It, it it works really well with, with his style. It, it's basically just uh, Kirk and Spock in the past, and um, while also giving us some glimpses as to what's going on in the future that has been changed because of uh, uh, one of the members of, of Starfleet going into the past and screwing things up. But once things are fixed, everything goes back to to what we expect. Uh, but it was still a um, there's still really neat to see a different take on on a uh, on a classic Star Trek episode, and and I will be um, checking out the, um, the the novelization of it. Well, there's the uh, the Kindle version of the story, and and I guess Harlan's notes along with it. So I'll um, I'll be checking that out as well. But I I still I don't know what kind of collect collection. Uh, reprint packaging is going to be getting. I would, uh, I would recommend it if, if you're an old school, uh, Star Trek fan. If you like J.K. Woodward's art on, uh, on the Star Trek franchises, uh, I would definitely check this out. So that's my in your travels for this week. Hmm. Star Trek, uh, Planet of the Apes number two came out. Did today. it? Sweet. Yes. I haven't read it yet. Nor have I. So, um, the book that I'm going to give you in your travels for is, uh, was a book that found its way onto uh, quite a few, uh, if not the preponderance of the best of 2014 lists that were out there. But I did not get a chance to read it until after 2014. Hmm. So it didn't make my 11 o'clockers, but not for any uh, qualitative reason. And that is uh, by Margaret McKeldry books, uh, stories by Emily Carroll through the woods. Um, again, through the woods, if you Google it, you'll see that it's pretty much on just about everybody's top 10 list for best books of 2014. Uh, it is a, a effectively a, a short story collection by Emily. Um, 
with the with the common the commonality being that their stories um in some way about the scary dark recesses of the forest um but they're all very different stories there's five main stories and there's a intro and outro that um one could say are, are their own stories kind of similar to the to the the EC model or the old you know Saturday horror TV shows that Vince so much adores where you'd you'd, you'd get a, a a narrator who who sometimes was part of a story unto themselves, but, but in, in any event, it's, uh, this is a horror book, a horror short story book by Emily Carroll. And, um, I was not previously familiar with Emily's work. Um, but she's got a very distinctive art style. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's painterly. It's very, very loose flowing, almost ethereal. Um, her characters are wavy. Um, uh, you know, they're pointed, um, she she uses a ton of negative space to evoke uh, fear and evil. Uh, I mean, she's she's incredible. And the thing that I think that most stands out about this book is the use of she hand letters everything, and the letters are such an important part of the visual narrative of the story. Um, and, and that's it. It's almost like you're reading instead of sequential prose, um, you know, that comics are. It's it's almost like you're reading. Uh, sequential poetry put to, put to artwork, if you know what I mean. Um, I mean, it's not poetry in the pure sense. It, it is prose, but it, it, it almost feels like you're reading illustrated poetry, uh, as you read the book. Um, super, super creepy. Uh, I wouldn't say horrifying in the overt gory sense. This is more of the, um, what evil lurks under your bed or what evil lurks behind the, the trees type of a thing. Where it's, 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 it's evoking a, an almost childlike fear of the unknown. Um, but, but awesome stuff. Uh, creepy, horrifying, grim, um, beautiful package, a beautiful hardcover with, uh, Vince, one of your favorite tons of spot varnish on the, uh, on the cover. Uh, <laughs> just, just a, a really well done, uh, book that, that, that certainly deserves the accolades that it received. So, um, and my understanding is a number of the stories, uh, were originally published in other places and on her website. And then a few of them are original as part of this collection. So I don't, I don't know which was which, but, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty damn good. It's, I think 2199, uh, US retail. So probably like 14 bucks or something. At, at in stock or other sources, but uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely worth the hype. Um, and artistically, this is not mainstream stuff. So people that that tend to have artistic tastes that skew that way, you, you know, be be forewarned that that's not what you're going to be getting here. I just wrote this down. I'm going to have to check it out. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it already. Only so much time in the day, my brother. It's true, dude. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But you are a man who knows things. I think so. And we, as always, are so glad that you've spent this time with us. And we hope you'll do it again next week because we'll be here waiting for you. Uh, same place you found this. As always, join us because David specifically loves you so much That's and would not and would not know what to do without you. Very so true. Come, come back with us. Yeah. Say Say good night, David. Good night, David. Wasn't that awesome? Good night, John Boy. I saw him. Uh, He's doing spawn. Oh, God.
Hollywood's doing Spawn. I know. I'm not getting my hopes up yeah, until okay. I have until I have the ticket. Oh, well, yeah, I put it on the Facebook because Todd said it. But until I have that ticket in my hand, I'm not getting my hopes. Oh, you're so pretty. I know. I am. <laughs> <I'm> beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> 